This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max on 1116 SEN, where today I'm joined once again by one of my favourite, and he's one of the guys I look up to a lot in basketball media, NBL media. It's Liam Santa Maria, expert analyst, broadcaster, and commentator. Liam, it's Amazing to have you on again, an honour and a pleasure to have you on. How are you? I'm good, mate. Thanks for that. Thanks for the kind words and um, it makes me feel amazing. So, uh, yeah, appreciate that (laughs) and, uh, yeah, great to be back with you. Now, we've got NBA finals coming up, NBL finals in May. United are looking pretty good. Uri Barber coming back. Australian basketball's at its peak. Josh Giddey's coming home. Dyson Daniels going to the NBA and Tyrus Proctor's. At Duke, there's a lot to discuss today. I want to start off with Australian basketball. Um, what are your thoughts on how the Aussies um, are going to go on their lineup for the Commonwealth Games this year? Mate, our, our Australian team, in both the men's and the women's, are powerhouses yep. of world basketball. Um, just uh, tournament in, tournament out every time. So that's that's the sort of starting point. Um, certainly from the, from the men's perspective, very exciting. I mean, when we have our A team together at the Olympics or World Championships, the World Cup, uh, we're one of the absolute top couple of teams in the world and we're right in the mix for the gold medal. We, we know that and it's exciting what that yeah. team's going to look like moving forward when we get Josh involved and, and um, these other young guys. But, but even when that next group down, even the B team or the C team that it's, you know, we've just got so much depth of talent. Our absolute top level talent is elite and completely world-class. But then as you step down the line, you look at the guys that are running around in the NBL on a daily basis. You look at the team, which was made up of guys not getting any minutes and guys that um, are on the fringe of the NBL or even at the global Academy that Mm. went over with Rob Mm. Beveridge and, and played some of those world cup qualifiers Really impressive stuff. So, um, yeah, no, I think no matter what group pulls on the green and gold at any of these tournaments at the senior level, we're going to be a very tough beat. Now, I want to ask you about Ben Simmons. A lot of uncertainty in the media and everywhere about him at the moment. He's hopefully going to play another game for Brooklyn. Do you see him playing for Australia in the next Commonwealth? Ah, sorry, Olympics in 2024 Paris? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I still I have high hopes that, that he's going to be there. Um uh, it's been a real shame that he hasn't been able to take the floor yep. for Brooklyn. Yep. I got excited when the trade happened and thought, well, this is going to work out really well. Um, you know, it was really cool to see him um, going to another contender, you know, and, and playing alongside Patty. There were so many positives to that from from a, from those sorts of perspectives, but also from a um, like a skill set, the way he was going to match up um, with Kyrie and, yeah. and Kevin Durant, Patty and that group and how he was going to assimilate. Yeah. So that's been a real shame, but I am hoping that after all of the turmoil of the last couple of years, that he will have sat back and watched what happened at the Tokyo Olympics and thought, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of you know, the, this boomers program. I'm hoping that this time spent with Patty on and off the floor from a, from the training court and in the in the hotel rooms and and on the bus and the plane rides, that there's been some conversations there that have that have impacted his decision making, and I'm excited for it. I hope I'm hopeful and 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 confident that we're going to see him in the green and gold. Now there's a, a massive difference in terms of team culture uh, between the NBA and NBL. You know, NBA, you're going in, you it's your job, you get the work done. Where the NBL, you're more of a tight tight-knit group you're a family mm-hmm. um if you get what I mean so 
how do you think that impacts Ben Simmons? I mean, he sees the boomers. Um, it depends if he's that kind of guy going, this is my job. Um, I go in and do my work and get out. Or is he, this my family, you know? Well, he needs – I think it would be great for him to get involved with the program again. Yeah. He did yeah. as, a, as a teenager and he hasn't been back for a long time since. But I think it would be great for him to get involved in it again – from that perspective, because, you know, those guys, Dally and Patty and Bogues and Joe Ingalls, and, you know, you go even back even further to, you know, the Drewy and Hammer and Vlahov, that being a part of that national team, they talk about it as the most positive and best basketball experiences of their life. Yeah, exactly. And part of it is representing the country and part of it is, um, you know, competing at those elite tournaments like the World Championships, World Cup and the Olympics. But it's also about that that pure team feel that is established within that group that you don't get necessarily playing pro ball. You know, you have it as a junior when you're playing with yep. your mates and, yep. and your teams as you're growing up and you have it. They, they, a lot of these guys will have experienced it in state teams coming along the journey, but then you get into the pro game and, and it's different. You know, there are contracts and involved and guys are playing, you know, looking after their own because they're trying to provide for their families and look after their next deal and the like. But there is something really pure about that national team environment that I think would be great for him and that, you know, everybody who gets involved in it um, loves. Now, you mentioned Josh Giddy. He had an injury to end his um, rookie NBA season, his inaugural season. Um, so how, what heights do you think he can achieve next year? Jeez. The sky's the limit. He has been unbelievable. We were so excited about what he would do in his, in his rookie year, but he even surpassed that. How quickly his game mm. just uh, assimilated into that NBA environment and excelled there was incredible. You know, he's got those great physical tools, being a, a tall point guard, and you combine that with his just his read of the game and his I mean, at 15, vision. 14 years old, he was getting um, a special pass from adult to go play at Albert Park with Andrew Gaze. Like, that, that's when you know he's going to make it. Yeah, I'm in for sure. He was a really talented junior. And, um, you know, I know a friend of the show, Chris Anstey, coached him at that sort of state level and was yep. really excited about yep. him as a 16, 17-year-old. Then he comes into the NBL, takes it by storm, couple of triple doubles, and we go, well, this is really exciting. But you never fully know, you know, unless you're Sam Presti, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how it's going to go at that next level. So he gets pick six. We're like, whoa, okay, cool. There's some, there's some real high hopes here. Um, goes to a great environment and has a, just a killer rookie campaign. He, he's, he's just knocked it out of the ballpark with what he's done on and off the floor, how he's carried himself, how he's performed. So onwards and upwards from here. Now there is the sophomore slump that some, some players do experience. Um, some guys hit the rookie wall. He, he, that didn't really happen for him. And of course, as you yep. say, his season's yep. been cut short, but then the challenge is to avoid that sophomore slump, um, and to continue to kind of improve year on year out. And, and if he can do that, sky's the limit. I mean, this, I'm, you know, we've already seen LaMelo ball be an all-star second year into his NBA career. Um, if he continues to improve, that that that's the kind of thing that's in the future for for Josh Giddy, and um, I, we all can't wait to watch it. Do you think it would be a certainty that if he hadn't have got injured and would have progressed this season, um, that Rookie of the Year award would have been his? Oh, certainty! I don't know. We would yeah, have been yeah. cheering for it, <laughs> and he would have put himself right in the mix. He was already in the mix at that point. 
um, could have got there for sure. Uh, certainty, I uh, probably wouldn't go that far. There's some other guys, Mobley, Cunningham, these kind of guys who were going to make a you know good run at. I think probably Mobley had his nose in front even at that point, but um, could have got there. And it's a shame that it's played out how it has. Now he's sort of taken the bull by the horns at Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, like Connor Henry sort of did in that last bit of the season, you know, here's the keys to the house like Homicide and yourself say, um, you know, it's your responsibility to look after this team and run the team on the floor, which is, I guess, ultimately what he's doing at OKC already in his first season. So how how much of a leader do you think he can evolve? I, th- I think he can be a great leader for NBA programs, but also down the road for our national program, for sure, because he couple of reasons that the type of kid he is type of guy he is, you know, he's a, he's a personality that people like to, to be around and spend time with. And, and also just his approach to the game because he's selfless. He plays in a selfless style. He sees the game as in a selfless way. Yeah. Um, and I, I like the way, you know, you, what we talk about his passing, he's happy. He's not out there trying to get assists. He's just trying to create buckets for his team. And so you'll see him kick the ball up the floor and, 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 um, you know, it ends up going kick, kick, kick. There's a bucket and he's just as happy with that kind of play. And that kind of selfless approach to the game is contagious. So, um, I think he can be a great leader for, for NBA programs as he matures and, you know, becomes a, a bit more of a, um, you know, an experienced player at that level. And I think in some ways he's already showing those leadership you know, capabilities and characteristics at OKC, even as a rookie, which just is incredible. Um, but then beyond that, I'm excited for what that's going to look like in the green and gold as well at Olympics and World Cups as we continue to kind of assert our authority on the world game with him at the helm. Now, I know you've had a chat on the Huddle podcast for the NBL with Aldrin Ulrich in the past year. Now, he's been um, inserted by Daniel Moldovan and Octagon Basketball into that Josh Gideon management team. Um, you know, what, what's the relationship like between Olgin and Josh and Josh is all, he's got the building blocks, um, all around him. Yeah. I'm not too sure to be honest about how, how close those guys are or the exact kind of role that, that he plays, but it is important for young players at that level, um, to have some helping hands, you know, have, have people that they trust that they've, you know, that, that, um, have been with them prior to getting drafted and, getting the big contract and getting the money, um, that they can, you know, they can lean on that they can talk to that, um, they can, um, you know, work with, can help manage, you know, a lot of their, um, you know, elements of their life off the court. And so that they can just kind of concentrate on the game, but also someone that is a bit of a sounding board that you can just chat to understands the basketball landscape and can talk things out, whether you, you know, you have a great game, help keep you level headed or, whether you're having a couple of rough ones and can, you know, um, talk you, you know, help talk you through that. So I imagine that's the kind of relationship that they have and the role that he's playing and look so far, so good. Everything that they're doing on and off the floor, Giddy and his camp is, is working beautifully. So who were those guys for you early days in your NBL career? Oh, for me, it was my family. Yeah. Um, we, we say early days in my NBL career, I, I really only had the early days. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was kind of quick, uh, in and out of the league for me. And, um, yeah, at that time really was my family. I was still pretty young, you know, I was a sort of youngest, uh, last guy on the roster with the Titans. And, um, you know, I was actually still living at home at, at that point. So, 
Um, certainly my family, my folks were my first coaches. You know, wow. they, they taught, yep. they wow. taught me the game when I was six, seven, eight years old. Wow. Um, and they, they just live and breathe and, and love basketball to this day. They watch all the games and, um, I, I love chatting to them about the game. So at that point on the day to day, coming back from practice or coming home from games, chatting with them about my team and how I'm going, how the season's going, um, they were a great support. Now, I want to have a chat about Paddy Mills. Last few games, he's been a bit quiet. He's had, I think, 15 points in the fur in the most recent game. Um, the game before that, he had none, and the game before that, he had five points. How do you see him um, fitting into that Brooklyn lineup when Ben Simmons does and hopefully comes back? Oh, well, he's just a pro. He's yeah. just an absolute pro, Paddy. Uh, doesn't force the issue. He's always ready to step up and knock down shots. And, he doesn't and mind play. where he plays. He doesn't care if he's on the bench or in the starting five. Exactly. I'm ready, coach. Um, you know, I'm ready to go out there and, and, and play my role. And, um, yeah, you, I don't think you ever have to worry about Paddy and his form or how he's fitting in. He's just – he has a great read of, of teams. And we've seen over the years the difference – in the role that he plays on his NBA team, certainly with the San Antonio Spurs for such a long time, compared to the role he'd play for the Boomers. Um, he just has a good feel for what am I required to do? Who am I playing with? You know, how can I best help the team? So look, he might have some quiet games from time to time. Patty will have some big games. He'll just always be ready to go out there and play the right way. But between playing at San Antonio and Brooklyn, he had a sort of shift in mindset. He said, um, I think it was to the press and everyone um, around the world that, you know, I'm bringing Boomer's Paddy into the NBA. He's like, I'm not just Paddy Mills in the NBA, I'm Boomer's Paddy. Mm. Well, that, that was the, the mentality and the, the quote he had a couple of seasons ago when he was still with the Spurs. And I liked it because the Spurs were going, you know, in a bit of a rebuilding phase. You know, he was a part of those, you know, that, that run and that incredible team with Tim yep. Duncan and Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker. And, and within that group, he knew what his role was. You know, he was a spark plug off the bench, had some big performances in big moments in an NBA finals, and uh, he was ready for that moment. But then as they go into the rebuilding phase, some of those guys retire and stop playing. And he made a read that, all right, maybe this is a time for me to kind of step up and take on a bigger role. So you, that's when he was talking about bringing Boomer's Patty to his NBA um, production. But... At the Nets, he's not talking like that because he knows he's not he's not the number one guy. You know, you're playing with two of the really two of the most talented offensive players of all time in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So you can't go in there and kind of big noting yourself what you're going to do at the offensive end. He, he's got, as I said, he's got a great read. He knows um, I got to pick my spots. I got to be ready just to complement these guys. That's the best way to help the team. Now, Josh Green, he's got that um, bronze medal around his neck from with the Boomers. Uh, at to uh, Tokyo 2021, uh, he proved himself last game with 21 points. I think he, uh, sorry, 21 minutes. He had 15 points. I think it was. Um, he's proved that he can play in the NBA. Um, how do you think he's going to go future and say five, ten years down the track in his NBA career? The challenge is just to keep improving. You know, if he keeps improving, I mean, he's such a he's such a talented player um, at both ends of the floor um, that. If he continues to improve from here, then he's going to have a long and you know celebrated career in the NBA. Um, but the challenge is to keep improving. It's at this point in a lot of guys' careers where things start to plateau, and then all of a sudden 
teams start going, all right, well, we thought he had the potential to grow into this or that, but it's not really happening. And then, you know, things, you know, start to, you know, not pan out as, as he or others might have hoped. So that's, that's the challenge. And we've seen that over his first couple of years in the league, you know, he's been working on his stroke and, you know, to, to become that kind of three and D uh, wing that can be relied upon to play, you know, genuine minutes as part of a game night rotation. Uh, and he's taken some good strides in that regard. We're seeing, you see some of those fruits of that labor from time to time, and especially here late in the season, but that's the challenge. Go into the, the off season, work hard on your game, come back a little bit better each year. They're the guys who stick and have a long career in the NBA. Now we're going to have a quick break and come back on the other side to have a chat about the NBL on finals. Welcome back from the ad break. Liam Santa Maria, NBL expert, analyst, broadcaster, and commentator. Liam, we just had a chat about NBA and Australian basketball um, at the moment in five to ten years. Paddy Mills, Ben Simmons, Josh Green, Josh Giddy. I want to get into the NBL. Mm. Um, new team, Tasmania Jack Jumpers. They've had a couple of chances now to get into their finals. It's slipping away. They're fifth. They're two games behind Perth in fourth position. Mm. Um, where do you think that they're, they're, is, are they a finals chance next year in NBL 23 or NBL 24? Well, they're, they're mathematically still a finals chance right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do see crazy things happen in the league. Now, I think we've probably got the top four locked away, yep. but it's not quite there just yet. Um, they've been unbelievable. What an incredible inaugural campaign they've had. Just cannot tip my hat enough to that team because coming into the year, um, it's really hard to put an expansion team together and just even just – all the elements that you've got to put together on and off the floor, but especially building a, a, a competitive roster, really not easy to do because all the other teams around the league know you're they've, coming they've, in. They've already got their their players signed. Yeah, they know you're coming in for a couple of years. So they go, all right, well, let's make sure we lock this guy up for an extended you know, period of time and that guy up. You saw Brisbane, they've got a Tasmanian there in Tanner Krebs. They give him a multi-year deal. Melbourne United come to the party, give Chris Golding a, 20, uh, 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 a multi-year deal and they, you know, and they take these guys off the table and you've got to work with what's available. And then they sign up a, a team full of role players and, you know, um, knuckleheads like me go, well, I don't know if you've got enough talent yeah. to win games and it's not your fault because it's hard out there in the free agency market. They sign a guy in Scott Roth who has been absolutely unbelievably good running that team and coaching that group. And as a result, they become bigger than the sum of their parts and surprise everyone. I came into the season saying the challenge for the Jack Jumpers is to try to not finish last. That'll be a big tick of approval, yeah, a exactly. big tick of success if they can do that. And they've more than done that. Oh my goodness. Yeah. They have just been competitive game in, game out. They've only had one or two games over the course of the season where they've been blown out. Um, I think their first five games were under five points or something. Right. Yeah. They won on opening night, which is massive for a new program. You saw the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix did that. Remember the first yeah. ever throwdown, and that that was big for their group. Um, and then okay, they were in a bit of a hole at one point. The Jack Jumpers they were two and six, and it was starting to look like maybe this season was you know their first season was going to go pear shaped. And then they just steadied the ship. They and they have played. So hard at the defensive end, really connected. They've been, um, you know, they've made big improvements midway through the season offensively and become one of the best in the league at executing their stuff and moving the ball. And as a result, as I've been saying recently, they've become bigger than the sum of their parts. Yeah, exactly. Which, from a team sporting perspective, 
is a dream place to be. That's what every organization and coach dreams of becoming. So this is the talent, but then when the way we play together and put it all together, we actually become bigger and better than the accumulation of the talent we have on the floor. What what a great job they've done. Are they going to make the playoffs this year? Not quite. They're going to just fall short. But the fact that they've been in that conversation late in the year is a massive credit to them and will hold them in good stead moving forward from that experience. We just announced today or a couple of days ago, Matt Kenyon signing an, an extension with the Tasmania Jack Jumpers for one year. What does that do for the club and Scott Roth um, and all the guys around Tasmania? Yeah, it's cool uh, because, you know, he's a perfect example of what that club's been this season and what they're all about because, um, you know, he didn't really have a spot anywhere in the NBL. You know, a few years back, he'd been with the Bullets and um, he'd sort of dropped out of the league. He'd gone over and played a little G League, wasn't getting a whole heap of run or putting up big numbers and, Nobody was really looking at Matt Kenyon to bring him back into the competition, uh, but Scott Roth did. He saw something in him, and sure enough, he's been really terrific. He's in that Defensive Player of the Year conversation. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up getting a nomination in that regard, worked his way in to become part of the starting lineup, um, has made some improvements to his game in terms of at the offensive end. He started to, you know, you see a guy like Mitch Norton, these types of guys who aren't necessarily like knockdown shooters find ways to have an impact, just cut at the right moment or move off the ball. He's starting to do that. He's working on his stroke. He's shooting nearly 30% from three on the year, which is a little bit of an improvement. He's got to keep working on that. But I I think it's a great job that they've re-signed him. I actually thought he might have got a a multi-year deal, maybe Mm -hmm. another two years, but they've signed him for one more. Um, Whether that's him betting on himself to be able to cash in a bit more, next off season or, um, the club or a little bit of both, not sure, but, um, I think it's uh yeah, it's a good sign for them that they've been able to, you know, get pen to paper with him and they're bringing him back. Now the Sydney Kings have won 10 games straight, mm. Liam. They're well and truly in championship contention. Um, they've almost got better odds than Melbourne United at the moment. Um, how do they compete with a team like Melbourne United who are bringing in Udai Barber now, a defensive beast to knock down three point shooter? That's a really great question because we haven't seen it over the course of this 10-game streak. They haven't played Melbourne United. They haven't played the Illawarra Hawks yet. That's coming They've up. They've played Perth in Perth. They have played Perth in Perth. They've played some good teams, no doubt about it. But they haven't played those two, who are the other two kind of really formed teams in the league. Melbourne, of course, pretty much all season long, sitting up there at the top of the table. And Illawarra also on this back end of the season. Rolling. Yeah. Absolutely rolling. Brian Gorgon's got them playing at a really high level. So they're interesting matchups I'm looking forward to watching with the Kings. The Hawks matchups are not far away. Two of them in the next couple of weeks. They're not going to play Melbourne United again until the postseason, if they indeed match up at some point. So that is an interesting situation because um, they're the defending champs. But it's going to be a test for the Kings. Big time. Well, it's going to be a test for both teams because, yeah, they're the defending champs. The you know, championship goes through Melbourne and goes through Perth in recent years in the NBL. But it hasn't been through Sydney. But this team, this Kings team is rolling. Yeah. Absolutely stacked with elite talent. But what does it do for you when you've got someone like a Sean Bruce coming off your bench? Um, he can lock down Matthew Dellavedova. Um, he can take down Shea Ely, um, if he sets his mind to it. Well, they've got some really good role players. You know, he's an important piece because of his veteran leadership, Sean and Bruce. Glover too. Guys like Angus Glover, for sure. Wani Swakala Bullock, Tom Vodanovic, those guys are Drum playing Martin. a good role. 
But it's really, I mean, their elite star talent is what has them rocking and rolling right now. Yeah. Jalen Adams, MVP contender. Maybe he's just got the edge of his nose in front of Bryce Cotton for that award right now. Or is Luala Chul up there? Is Luala Chul got the MVP? No, he's not got the MVP. It's a race between two at this point. Between two. Max. I know you want your man JLA right there. I want JLA right there. I think Joe Luala Chul and uh, and Mitch Creek have, have just fallen out of that conversation a little bit. In the last couple of weeks. Last, yeah, three or four weeks. Even though United have been winning, Luala Chul's not having as much as, of an impact, which is essentially good from a Melbourne United perspective, but in terms of MVP, it's not good for JLA. But if Dean Vickerman's looking at that goal, JLA's not having much of an impact. He's getting 10 points a game. He's like, oh, he'd be pretty. I assume he'd be pretty happy with that. Well, yeah, I mean, as long as they're winning, yeah, exactly. for sure. Yeah. Um, there's been a couple of games in recent times, you know, the loss to Perth, a couple of losses to Illawarra, where I think he would have liked to have had a bit of a bigger impact yeah. from the big fella. Um, so that all works. That's fine if, if your superstar and his impact drops a little bit and it gets filtered around the rest of the group, as long as it's resulting in wins. Yeah, exactly. You don't want that happening if it's resulting in losses. So, um, But yeah, the, back to the Kings, Jalen Adams is a joy to watch the way he snakes off ball screens and make yep. plays for, his, for himself and his teammates. Xavier Cook's balling. Absolute stat exactly. sheet stuff is supreme. Um, they're, they're just flowing with confidence. They're in double digits in terms of their win streak. That puts them in a bit of a special place. They're working on sort of franchise history type of stuff, um, motoring towards the postseason. So can't wait to see what they can do when the whips really start cracking in the bump and grind of the playoffs. We'll have a quick break and get back on the other side to have a bit more of a chat about the Perth Wildcats. Welcome back from the break, Liam Santa Maria, expert NBL analyst, broadcaster and commentator. Liam, I asked you a question over the break um, surrounding Bryce Cotton. If he continues, uh, if he fires up his state of form mm-hmm. and Jalen, but Jalen Adams keeps doing what he's doing, is there going to be a favour in terms of Bryce Cotton winning that MVP award, um, the Andrew Gaze award, to get as many MVPs as Drury? He's got three, yeah. working on four. Um, and I love, and I you know, I get the feeling you do too, a lot of people, I love watching like dynasties. I like watching teams that just become a dominant force and, and that, they are the team to knock yeah. off. And I love it from a team perspective, but also from an individual perspective. Yeah. It's Our league is in a great place when you have an all-time legend like Bryce Cotton yeah. performing at this level. So can he continue to kind of rack up MVPs and these individual awards and, and uh, build his position in those historical conversations. Well, that's fun to watch. Um, this is an epic race between he and Jalen Adams right now for the MVP of this season. Uh, going right down to the wire. I don't envy the coaches and the captains from around the league who are going to have to cast that vote um, because really tough to split. Jalen Adams missed a few games during in the year with injury, five games. Maybe took a couple of games after that to get back up to his kind of level. And when you're talking about six or seven games, not at an elite, his own elite level, well, that's, what is that, a quarter of the season? So you got to take that into consideration. Um, Bryce Cotton's the league-leading scorer, again, averaging a career-high points per game, um, top 10 in assists. I mean, both these guys are killing it right now. And um, I think that vote's going to go right down to the wire. Now, if you're just joining us on the Sunday morning feed, um, we've been having a bit of a chat about the Perth Wildcats, Bryce Cotton, and the John Brown application denial. 
um, by the NBL um, and all the officials. Can you tell me about a bit was a bit a bit about what was going on there with John Brown three? All right, so the Wildcats wanted to bring in a new import, replace Michael Frazier with with a bigger, stronger guy um, who would help them defensively and on the boards. Right, John Brown the third had been playing in the Euroleague for Unix Kazan, a Russian team. And with the conflict there with, uh, in the Ukraine, um, he is like a lot of guys playing for Russian teams, wanted to, wanted to get out and leave. So, um, the Wildcats thought, all right, well, great. Let's sign this guy and bring him in. They fly him into Perth. Unfortunately for them, the deadline for when they needed to make these kind of changes was approaching in the NBL. You got to play 25% of the season to be able to uh, qualify for finals and teams in order to sign a guy, they need to have seven games still remaining on their schedule. So the deadline was approaching. And the, the issue for John Brown III, and, and this hasn't been widely spoken about, but my understanding is he was on a multi-year deal with Unix Kazan. Wow. So they were part of their decision. They didn't really want to cut him loose. They said, oh, well, I understand you've walked away from the team right now, but we had a contract and we want you back you've next got, year. you've got to obey that. Yeah. Um, and he's saying, well, I want to go and play for this team in, in Western Australia. Well, I'm already here. I'm ready to go. And they're saying, nah, we're not, we're not going to cut you loose. So that put a spanner in the works for the Wildcats. Um, FIBA had to get involved. Um, they had been getting involved to help wow. these various players leaving Russian teams. Um, and in the end... Jerome Randall got out of there, didn't he? He got back to California. Uh, yeah, no, a bunch of players. Yeah, a lot of those guys didn't have that second year on their deal to to worry about. Mm -hmm. That was one of the complicating factors here with John Brown the third. FIBA came in and ruled, eventually, and said he should get his clearance. He's free to play for another team. Uh, at that point, wow. though, the deadline had passed. Now there is a a clause in the salary and contracting rules for the NBA NBL. And this is where things got kind of controversial and dramatic that says, um, yeah, you've got to play that many games in order to be able to register, but teams can uh, seek an exemption from the NBL in exceptional circumstances. And in deciding on that, the league will use what, quote unquote, their absolute discretion. So that's the application that the Wildcats made to the league and say, well, hold on, uh, these are extraordinary circumstances, aren't they? With what's been going on in, in the Ukraine and we should be able to get this guy registered. And the league said, well, we spoke to Basketball Australia, we spoke to FIBA, and we asked them, did this all play out in a time frame that's out of what you would usually expect to occur? Yes, because often yes. there are kind of like delaying factors for guys getting a clearance. And they said, no, we, we came in and, and ruled and cut him loose in a time frame that is not unusual. So as a result, the NBL said, sorry, we can't, we can't allow you to register him. You, oh, this is not yeah. extraordinary circumstances and you're going to have to stay with your team as it is. Wow. Now I want to have a chat uh, about Melbourne United. They've got the chance to get a back-to-back -back championship, the defending champs. How do you view this team going into finals, bringing back Yudai Baba? Well, I think they're the team to beat. Yeah. Yes, the Kings are on a 10-game winning streak. They're rolling. Yes, the Hawks have Brian Gorgian at the helm and they're playing at a high level. And the Wildcats are always the Wildcats and tough, a tough out in the postseason. Do, do you think playing at RAC Arena for this many constant games after being um, away for so much of the season that they've adjusted so much to all these away playing courts that it's actually tough for them to score <laughs> when they get back home? And then they're going to have to play away again yeah. once the, the postseason <laughs> begins. It's been a funky, disrupted season for the Wildcats for sure. Yeah. So that's as that, is the last two years, though. For sure, um, that's worked against them this year. 
but the way that Melbourne United play, their their focus at the defensive and their elite defensive talent. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the championship experience that they have, for me, that makes them the team to beat in the in the finals. You know, yeah. they they have they play a style that we have seen traditionally work in the NBL playoffs. Uh, where where it's, it gets a little bit more physical, the scores come down, the rotations tighten up a little bit, and it becomes a little bit more of a grind. They have elite scoring talent in guys like Chris Golding and Joe Luala Chul, others like you know Matthew Delvadova and Jack White step up and make plays at various times. But defensively, and I've said this all season long, they can they can go to a place defensively. No other team in the competition has shown me that they can get to. And I think that makes them the favourites for the title. Now, you mentioned Joe Lawala-Chul not in that MVP contention. Um, I, I'm sort of half-half disagree, agree. <laughs> um, but I want to move on to the Illawarra Hawks. I mean, you mentioned them just before. They're looking and, like you said, they're in great form. Um, and they're, they're actually as good as Melbourne United at the moment, the way they're gelling together as a team um, in terms of winning the championship. Um, this will be their second finals under head coach Brian Gorgian. Um do they win the championship and Justinian Jessup, will he stay for next season or will he, will he go to Golden State? Uh, well, Jessup's had a good season. Numbers are basically the same as what they were last year. He's first in the, in the league after getting... He's a bit more aggressive on the defensive end, though. Much more. Can't hear, me. Can can't hear myself in my... Can you hear yourself? No, I've lost myself. Did I kick... Here we go. I'm back. Sorry All right. about that. Um, he's taken big strides defensively, for sure. Um... So he's going to be a key for them in the playoffs. And, and I think he's he's got a chance to, to carve out a role in the NBA at some point. He's, he's a, we, we know he's a knockdown shooter, and he's proven that he can you know be a, a reliable defender. So there's space for, for those kind of players on NBA teams. Um, but I tell you, that team is rolling mm. right now. I mean, they are a dangerous proposition. My uh, Brian Gorgian, of course, this is going to be his 21st consecutive trip to the postseason for an NBL team. He obviously spent some time in China, yep. but on either side of that period of time, he's just makes the playoffs every single year in the NBL. But the guy for me, that's the difference maker for the Hawks is Antonius Cleveland. Mel played for your Melbourne United against yep. uh, OKC when they lost to him by one point uh, many years ago, filled in for him for that, for that game. But now in an Illawarra Hawks Jersey, he has changed the course of their season. And I go back to, I think it was about round, round 12, round 13. They weren't in a great place. Brian Gorgian was trying yeah, yeah. to tell his team, we're playing for our lives. Yeah. A yeah. game at home against Adelaide. Start of the fourth quarter. It was a tight game. Start yes, of the fourth yes. quarter. Antonius Cleveland took his energy and intensity to another level, got him over the line. Then a couple of games later... They come to Melbourne. They're down double digits to the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. He does exactly the same thing. Xavier Rattan Mays comes with him and they get over the line. And he hasn't stopped doing that ever since. He just, he just flicked a switch at some key moments and at an important part of the season, took his energy to a whole new level. And not only has he played his way into all NBL first team for mine, but he's taken that, he's led that Illawarra Hawks team back into the top four and they're getting ready for the finals now. So that's been outstanding to watch and uh, they're going to be a tough matchup for whoever, whoever gets them in that opening round. I want to talk about Justinia Jessup. I've recently had him on the podcast, um, as you might know. I'm not sure if you might have seen it or not. But uh, Justinia Jessup, he said, 
Um, you know, I'm not focused on the NBA. Um, I don't have the Warriors aren't con- don't have a lot of contact with me, which I found a bit unusual. Um, you'd think an NBA team would have contacts with their uh, be in contact with their players. He goes, it's not like they're contacting me mm-hmm. after every game or even that matter of fact every week. Um, I know they've got a scout out here now. Um, to track um Justine and Jessup's um performance, um and his overall display in this NBL twenty two season. Mm. Um. But is he going to go to the NBA? He said he's not focused on the NBA. He said he just wants to win a championship for Illawarra. Mm. And that's a great mindset to have. That's the right way for him to approach it. Yep. Because uh, he's just got to play at a high level. They might not be talking to him. But will, from that, t- will that championship um, help him in terms of getting to Golden State? For sure. For sure. I mean, you play at a high level, your team wins, uh, good things happen. There's no doubt about that. You look at a guy like Jock Landau. For example, and what he did, I mean, he he didn't go after like an MVP or a scoring leader last season. He went after team success, played the right way. Um, and, you know, these these NBA scouts and the like, they know the game. They can see the way you're going about it. And, um, you know, they, then he obviously stepped up, grabbed his moment in the, in the grand final series, grand final MVP. Team wins the championship, he's with the Boomers. Bang, he's on an NBA roster and he's living out his dream. So that's the right way for Justinian Jessup to approach it. And I was going to say, they might not be talking to him on the ultra reg, but they are keeping a close eye on it. You can bank on that. And they will be talking to Brian Gorgian and getting updates on how he's approaching things on the day-to-day, on and off the floor. They'll be talking to Brian Colangelo, part owner of the of the Hawks, who has NBA experience and, and has an eye for talent. So... Um, you just never know who's watching, who's being spoken to. He's going about it in the right way. And he's hoping he can have a big playoffs, maybe go back to the summer league and, and break out there. And, um, you know, we'll see him on that NBA hardwood. If you're Ken, the Cairns type ends and Adam Ford in particular, what are you trying to do to finish off the season and head into next season? Do exactly what they've been doing over the last couple of weeks. They've won four of their last five or maybe five of their last six, three-game winning streak. They knocked off the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix and put a dagger through their playoff aspirations last week, um, playing at a really high level. And I like the fact that some younger guys are getting a bunch of run right now. Keanu Pinder's off back, coming off back-to-back 20 and 10 performances. Bull Qualls strengthening his grip on the Rookie of the Year award. I mean, they're just ticking a whole bunch of boxes to end this season. It's been a tough year. They've been mired down the bottom of the ladder. They're not going to finish last. They're not going to finish second last. They're you know, having a strong finish to the season, and that's exactly the way they need to be going about it. Now, CJ Bruton, I want to quickly touch on him. His first um, season as a coach, head coach uh, in the NBL with the Adelaide 36ers. Um, if, are they trying to be – do you think they can be a finals team next season, and what does CJ have to do to make sure they get there? Uh, they can be because we've seen over the journey, things can very quickly turn around in the NBL from one year to the next. You know, the Taipans, for example, are a good ex- – the Taipans are a good example of that, where they finish um, bottom of the ladder with five wins. Yeah. With Mello Trimble running the show. Uh, and then the next season, they bring in a new bunch of imports. Mello Trimble yeah. comes down to Melbourne and they go, Scott Machado, DJ Newbel, Cam Oliver, um, Kawatnoi, they bring him into the mix. Majuk Deng, bang, they're a game away from making a grand final series. So that would be a kind of an, a blueprint that the Adelaide 36ers would be looking at and say, all right, well, what pieces do we need to bring back and how do we hit on our imports? So they're gonna, do you think they should bring back someone like a Todd Withers? 
No, I don't think so. I, I like the way in which Todd Withers goes about it, but they need impact guys. Yeah. And they need to go three imports. They need all of them to be impact guys. That's not easy to do. That's expensive. Yeah, but in the last in the last two years in particular, they've had someone like a Donald Sloan and now Todd Withers who aren't, aren't particularly getting the job done as um, big factor and big time players. Yeah, those imports haven't worked out. Dusty Hannes hasn't been the kind of guy that they needed him to be. They needed him to be one of the top scorers in the league, and he's been highly inconsistent. Um, just hasn't worked for him in this kind of FIBA sort of setup. He likes the space and the opportunity there in the G League. Um, so I, I think they need to move on from from those guys coming in the next season, and 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 they need to uh, they need to really hit the mark on three imports. They've got some nice pieces, you know, Daniel Johnson. We know what he can do at the offensive end. Mitch McCarron, if he can kind of find his niche and his groove can be, you know, a, a high level performer. Sunday Detch, I like those pieces, but they need three imports all playing at a high level like the Taipans had a few years ago. And if they can get that done, they can for sure be a top four team next season. Yeah. Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, they had a, a lot of chances to say the least, um, to put a, uh, a strike through um, and secure themselves in the, that top four for NBL finals this season, NBL 22 do you think Judge Flavel can be a big-time coach um, and make it in the big time and be an NBL head coach? Great question. We've, we've already seen it in one game this season, and I'm pretty sure they won that game. Uh, he won one and lost one, I yeah. think, in the two that he had. Yeah. Um, one of them um, they let slip, yeah. which would, you know, which I think he would rue that 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 um, experience. But yeah. I do think so. I think he's a, he's a head coach in the waiting. I mean, he is. Has, he's been for a couple of job opportunities. Mm-hmm. I know he went for the Tasmania job. He's mm-hmm. had a couple of other different um, uh, op- opportunities mm. um, to have an interview when I was talking to him uh, a couple of months ago. Mm-hmm. And he said, I'm not looking to go into one of those interview rooms and say, I'm this awesome head coach who's going to do this and this and this for your club. He goes, I'm walking into the interview room and going, I'm John Flavel. He's like, I used to be a player. He's like, I'm a coach. He's like, and this is what I can do. He's like, if you like it, take me. If not, don't. Yeah. Um, he had a long, hard conversation with the Brisbane Bullets. Mm. And they went in a different direction and signed James Duncan. So, yeah, you're right. He's been in a bunch of those conversations. Now, <laughs> I don't know if that's the way – he hasn't got any of those jobs. So, if that's the way he's been approaching it, he might need to think about sort of flipping it up and selling himself in a, in a slightly different way so that he can just get over the line and get one of those positions because I think if a team took a chance on him, he'd be a really good head coach in this league. Has has coached under Andre Lamanis and Dean Vickham, like a, a whole lot of really high level guys who he's learnt from, knows the league really well, has proven himself at the NZNBL level, which admittedly is a big step down from from what we have here in the NBL. But um sometimes you gotta take a leap of faith on a guy and I think he's got the credentials to say, um you know, I'm worth taking a chance on. If you're one of those teams like the Brisbane Bullets or Tasmania Jack Jumpers, and you're in that interview room, are you looking at his playing career? Like, and what he's done for the Tall Blacks? Uh, sure. I mean, you take the whole gamut of his experiences into consideration. But for me, more so, it's what he's done as an assistant coach in the yep. league. Um, learning off, like I said, some really high-level operators. Um, being a part of... A, a culture there in New Zealand that was the envy of the entire competition for a long time. Um, his pedigree as an assistant coach, as a, as a you know a highly regarded scouter of of opponents, 
Um, and also you say, well, do you have some head coaching experience that we can look at as well? And he's, he's done that and, and been successful at the NZNBL. So I think he ticks a lot of boxes and, you know, teams should look at him. Yeah, I want to have a quick chat about Adam Gibson and what he's up to. Do you have any information on when he, if he's going to actually return to the NBL? Well, he, what did he sign? A little mid-season contract yeah. back, back with the Phoenix this season um, when they were short of numbers, didn't hit the floor. Unfortunately, that would have been fun. Uh, that's another guy who I think He's kind a, of like an assistant coach at the moment, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Um, you know what I think would be really cool? Um, if the Jack Jumpers got him involved in their coaching staff, you know, because he That'd is be a lot of fun. He's a Tasmanian yeah. born and bred down there. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think he's a, he's a future coach, you know, he's, he has all of those types of sort of elements and characteristics about him that I think will make him successful on the sidelines. So, um, that'd be something cool. And if not Tazzy, you know, he's, he's the Phoenix speak highly of him. Um, I think over the next couple of years, he's going to be a highly sought over assistant coach. Um, and then it's onwards and upwards from there. All right, Liam, we'll have a quick break and get back to the other other side for the last 10 minutes of the Sunday morning feed. Welcome back from the break. Liam Santa Maria, NBL expert, analyst, broadcaster, and commentator. I want to have a quick chat about the Brisbane Bullets mm. um, and a couple of other things to finish off this interview. Um, now, the Brisbane Bullets, they've got young gun Max McKinnon, son of Sam McKinnon, NBL legend, and Tamori Wigness. They've got some great young guys at the club, Tanner Krebs, um, Tom Digby, Dig Bow, sorry. Um, what are your thoughts on the Brisbane Bullets and what they can do on a head coach, James Duncan, in the next few years? Geez, they've been frustrating, the Bullets, over the last few years. First with Lamanus and then with James Duncan this year. Um, I, I highly regard both those coaches. I think JD's going to be a good coach over the journey. Um, and he's been about all the right things this season. They just have been highly inconsistent. Game in, game out over the course of the last couple of years. And they haven't been able to take a leap at the defensive end. Um, so they can get a bit frustrating to watch sometimes. Can't yeah, they? they can because they've got so much, they've got talent, um, but they just can't get over the hump. And year in, year out, they end up right here, just on the outside of the playoffs, not a genuine championship contender, not one of the worst teams in the league, but in this sort of space of mediocrity that would be frustrating for their, for their fan base and for them, no doubt. Um, so how do they get over the hump? If I was in charge of that team, if I was Sam McKinnon <laughs> coming into the off season and, and looking at free agency, I'd move Nathan Sobey to the two. Firstly, you've got to re-sign Nathan Sobey. He's coming mm-hmm. out of contract. Mm-hmm. So that's not, <laughs> that's not a fait accompli. Uh, I'd re-sign Nathan Sobey and I'd bring in an import point guard to run the team at the one and move Sobey back to the two. Uh, he can play spot minutes as the secondary ball handler for sure. Um, but I'd like to un- see him unleashed as a as a full-time shooting guard on that team. So I don't know. You look at a guy, for example, maybe it's not exactly him because I'm sure the breakers would be trying to bring him back, but a guy like Peyton Siever, for example, sign a point guard like that who can run the one, so be it the two. I think they're going to do It's time to part ways for Lamar, uh, Lamar Patterson, for me. Where's um, he going to go then? I don't know. Is he in the league? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. He got his body in excellent shape since last season, though. Oh, look, he did at the start of the year. Yeah. But it's kind of waned a little bit over the course of the season. He got COVID. He came back from there, and he wasn't quite his... At the start of the season, pre-season, he was blowing by guys. And he looked a bit more like he did when he first arrived on NBL Shores and was all NBL first team. 
And then as the season has gone on, he's still a productive player. He can, he can do things that a lot of players can't. Yeah. Um, but he's not, he's not getting by anyone right now. And he's not that explosive player that he was at the start of the year. So I don't know. It's just my opinion. If I was in that situation, I'd go in a different direction there, um, at that small forward spot, but they need an import to do that kind of job, you know, like what Scotty Hobson, that type of player. Um, and then uh, I'd bring back Robert Franks. He's mm-hmm. been terrific. He's mm-hmm. a double, double machine right now. And, yep. um, you know, I think, you know, he's going to be, he, he can be an important part of a, of a Absolutely. successful team. Then you got a decision to make what you're doing at the five spot. Um, because Tyrell Harrison is a talent. It's a seven footer with, with a whole bunch of potential, mm. but he's, he's a little injury prone. And I'm not sure, um, you know, he's your guy as a starting center on a championship winning team. So, um, that, that makes it tough. Can you find a guy to come in and, and play that kind of role for your squad? I mean, one thing I would love to see from the bullets is that kind of lineup, a, a Siva type, then a Nathan Sobey, an import wing, Robert Franks. And you know who I'd like to see as the other big? Either Aaron Baines, oh, who's a, a cool, yeah, who's a Queenslander, trying to get him back on the on the uh, in, on the on the hardwood, or Brock Modem. Oh, if you could get either one of those guys, uh, make that work in the front court. Now you got a team that could really do some damage. Now we haven't had a chat about the New Zealand Breakers yet. They're part of ways with Jeremiah Martin. Um, about halfway through the season, I thought. In the preseason, the NBL Blitz, he had similarities to Bryce Cotton in the way he went about the game and his own personal craft and his game and craft and things like that. Um, what, are you, what have you thought of the breakers? I mean, Peyton Seaver, obviously the standout from their side this season. Uh, gee, it's been a rough year for the breakers. Second straight year away from home permanently. Um, really, really tough. So it's been a shame for them that it hasn't worked out how they would want. Um, Campbell Brown just next door there. You're just giving the thumbs up. Beautiful work. Um <laughs> Yeah, tough year for them. They've had a bunch of guys that maybe haven't played up to their usual standard. Finn Delaney is a perfect example. All NBL second team last year. Every year of his career, taking another step, but it's gone back, a little bit backwards this season. I expect him to bounce back next year, although he is coming out of contract. So yes, whether that's yes. with the breakers or not, it'll be interesting. Jeremiah Martin was an interesting decision because he was a good player and he was big for them in fourth quarters and the like. But once they got to a point, the breakers, where they weren't going to make the playoffs... They needed to turn their attention to their NBA prospects because they're not playing at home. They're not getting all the money that comes from selling tickets to your home fans. Yep. Where they can make some money this season, the owners, is by having these guys, Usman Diang and Hugo Besson, drafted. Drafted high. Drafted in the first round. Maybe in the lottery for Usman Diang. And then you can get some compensation from the buyout that you that you get from having them on multi-year deals. So the last part of this season has become a bit of a showcase for those guys. Jeremiah Martin, the ball kind of stuck in his hands a little bit. And when you're trying to get the ball into the hands of these young, talented prospects, you know, moving him on was probably the right thing to do. And as we've seen, Usman Jang in particular has made huge strides over the course of the second half of this season. Um, that's been huge for him. They've got a star in Yanni Wetzel at the center spot. He's had another terrific year. So um, there are some positives, despite the fact that they're going to end up with a franchise low, worst ever win-loss record. Um, there's going to be some things for them to take away at the end of this season. Just quickly, before we move on to the NBA draft, a um, couple of quick questions. NBL Defensive Player of the Year. Mm. 
Great question. I think it's going to be Shay Illy when all said and done. He's, you know, he's had some moments in the last couple of weeks that have been kind of been like, um, you know, big moments. When you shut down Bryce Cotton in the jungle, that gets a lot of people's attention. Um, I, you, oh, I think he might even get that best six man award as mm-hmm. well, Shayili. So he's going to be in that mix. Another guy worth considering, obviously Matthew Delvadova, who's the head of the snake for Melbourne United at the defensive end, and Xavier Cooks has been really terrific for the Kings over the course of this season. But I think when push comes to shove and the coaches and captains put their pen to paper, I think a lot of them are going to vote for Shayili. Now I want to know NBL champions for NBL twenty twenty two. I think Melbourne United. Yep. I, I do. I just think their playoff hardened, their style is going to stand up got uh, too much in that depth. moment. Um, yeah, I mean, the Kings have a lot of depth. Kings are really talented top to bottom, but I just think the style that the that Melbourne United play with Dean Vickerman at the helm, multi-time championship winning coach in this league, I think their experience will come to the fore in the in the playoffs. Now, NBA draft, where do you see Hugo Besson or Osman Diang going? Oh, boy. Um well, the last two guys that were drafted uh, from the NBA, drafted high, LaMelo Ball and, and Josh Giddy, I maybe slightly underestimated where they were going to get picked. You know, uh, for, for Ball to go two and Giddy to go six, man, I didn't necessarily see either of those guys going quite that high. So maybe I understate it when I say that, you know, I see Jing going at the back end of the lottery, somewhere between 10 to 14. That seems like 10 to maybe 16, the kind of space for him, having watched March Madness and seen, you know, the mock drafts and and the other prospects around. Uh, Can he get up inside that top 10? Geez, that would be pretty spectacular. I think what they've seen from LaMelo Ball and Josh Giddy coming out of the NBA will help in that regard. Um, And Hugo Besson, if he ends up being a first round pick, I think that'll be a great success and the breakers would would be wrapped about that. So... That's what I'm saying. Somewhere around in the early teens for Jiang and in the late 20s for Besson. Now, Mike Schmidt's mock draft, Dustin Daniels just ranked 10th. Do you think he can possibly go a bit better than that? I think he can. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're in love with Aussies. Exactly. Right now. And he's had he, a big... He's back home in Melbourne at the moment. Mm-hmm. He's he's doing a lot of practice, a lot of training, mm. um, and a lot of media too. Yeah, well, he's got to get ready. Yeah. You know, he's got to we'll stroll down Media Street a little bit and train, him, <laughs> train himself up. But he had a great finish to the G League season with the Ignite program. Showed what he could do. Um, did some nice things on that in that uh, the All Star weekend, playing in the Rising Stars. Um, so he's yeah, he's put himself in a great position. And I think when push comes to shove, I think he might actually end up being a top ten pick, which will be which will be huge. Now, who from the NBA, uh, sorry, NBL at the moment, do you think is going to the NBA? I mean, JLA mm-hmm. is looking NBA bound every day, and it's certainly Ariel Huckporty too. Yeah, Huckporty is a great, exciting talent for sure. And, and there's also a lot of scouts around the league at mm-hmm. the moment in Melbourne, in Perth, in Cairns, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Everywhere. And they're the, just the guys that are on the ground. There's, yeah. I mean, you know, in this day and age, you don't actually have to be here to watch the games. Exactly. So the, the, don't worry about that. The scouts are keeping a close eye on things. You know, let me throw a couple of other names into the mix. Well, one other in particular is Avi Cooks. It's time for him to get an NBA deal. Um, the three-point shot has been maybe the one thing holding him back, and he hasn't necessarily taken massive strides in that regard. But, oh, boy, I mean, he can – there are plenty of worse players than Xavier Cooks on NBA contracts right now with what he can do in a multiple of ways. You know, he can score, rebound, steal, block shots, run the lanes – 
um, you know, find his teammates. He had nine assists the other night. He was a board and a dime off a triple double from the four spot. So um, he's an absolute talent. And I think I'd love to see him get an NBA opportunity. Now, I know you love your NBA. I know you love the um, Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. Um, are they going to be able to do it this year? Yes, sir. Yes? Yes, sir. It is go time. It was, uh, so it was disappointing. So who's NBA champions? The Suns. The Suns. Tell me. I mean, you. There's not There's not a lot of other teams that are going to be able to compete. <sighs> Jeez. Um, it's, you know, there, there might be Brooklyn from mm-hmm, the East mm-hmm. or Philly aren't really in, in the mix there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milwaukee, you know, Milwaukee, we, we yeah. saw in the finals last year. Um, that they're a tough proposition and, um, but geez, we've been really, I was really hoping sometimes you get these teams that go on a run, they make the finals, they're conference champions, and then they sort of disappear a little bit after that. The Toronto Raptors are a good example of that after winning the championship. But I was worried coming this year, are we, you know, it seems like we've got all the pieces. We brought Chris Paul back, our young talent developing even more. We should be really good again. Jeez, we've been absolutely sensational. 60 wins plus and um, ready to just roar through the postseason. So to- it is time. It's We are long-suffering, the Phoenix fans. Um, so excited for the possibility that we might hoist the trophy. NBA MVP. That's a good question. Um, I think Jokic. Yeah. I think um, the Joker is probably the right guy for it this year. Yeah, I want to have a quick chat about young gun Tyrese Proctor, mm. the Aussie, committing to Duke earlier today. Um, what are your thoughts on him? Talent. Yeah. Super talented youngster out of uh, out of New South Wales, out of Sydney. Um, been doing good things in the NBA Global Academy. And uh, you're right, committed to to Duke. Um, just, a, uh, just another highly talented youngster coming out of, of this, um, you know, Australian basketball pipeline. So... Super excited. It was, you know, interesting, the the decision he's, you know, we've seen guys come into the NBL and do great things like Josh Giddy. We've seen guys go to the Ignite program and do great things like Dyson Daniels. And he's taking the college route. So it just goes to show that you've got a lot of options when you're, uh, you know, a guy of his type of standard. Um, and, you know, I wish him all the best uh, in there in Durham, North Carolina. Just to finish off, Liam, where does Mojave King look to now? He hasn't had a standout season in Adelaide. Everyone thought he would have after moving on from the Cairns Taipans. Um, so where does he look to now and be able to see stay with Adelaide? Um, I mean, it's pretty obvious he's not going to go in this NBA draft. Mm. Yeah, it's been it hasn't worked out as as well as he and his camp would have hoped, or as everyone had, had thought. Yeah, for sure. Um, but look, you know, everybody, yeah. all these guys that are that yeah. are talented youngsters and, and NBA prospects, which Make no doubt about it. He he was for sure. I mean, you don't get a next stars deal in the NBA in the NBL if you're not sort of generally regarded at that type of level. Um, it just hasn't kind of grown and 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 um, exploded from there. But everybody kind of develops at a different rate, you know. Like it does, just because you're not getting in, taking the leap as quickly as Josh Giddy did, or uh, jumping from from you know straight out of college into the NBA like a lot of players do doesn't mean that you're not going to get there. And Jock Landau is a good example of that. You know, coming out of St. Mary's, he was a high-level guy, but wasn't seen to be an NBA-level player. He went to Europe, did some really good things, went to the Summer League a couple of times. Then he came to the NBL. Finally, he gets that chance because he continues to just work on his game, show that he can shoot the ball from long range, can be a high-level contributor on the day-to-day. So that's the challenge for Mojave. 
to take his eyes off all of that, ignore all of the pressure of becoming an NBA player and just knuckle down and work on his game and his body to become that level of guy. Um, and then over the next year or two to, to prove that, whether that's in the NBL or whether that's in Europe, whether he says, you know what, let me go over and see if my game works better in the G League environment, for example, like it did for a guy like Ding Adele. Um, uh, for instance, uh, he's got some options, but the most important thing is he puts in the, the hours and the hard work on his body and his game to get himself up to that level. What about someone like Dante Exum in Barcelona at the moment? Is that the best path for him? Or if he if he doesn't get an, uh, another NBA opportunity by the next time, by the next NBL season time, the next NBL season comes around, mm. is that a possible path for him? Or is it like if he comes back to the NBL, there's no going back to the NBA? Mate, he, he's killing. He is killing for Barcelona right now. It uh, should be in the NBA. It's crazy that he doesn't have an NBA contract. So uh, I don't think he'll be in the NBL next season. I mean, he's playing for one he of them. He dominated for the Boomers. He was great, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, it was so good to see. He has stayed healthy. I think that's one of the things that's kept him, that kept NBA teams off him in recent times. I was, we don't trust you to stay on the floor, to be honest. Uh, so he's had to go and prove that he can stay healthy um, for, for an extended period of time. And he's playing for one of the biggest, most powerful, most resourced teams in Europe right now and playing at a really high level, doing really good things. So I'll be shocked if he's not back in the NBA next season. And if he's not, you can guarantee he'll be on a, a big money deal on one of those European powerhouses. Thanks, Liam, so much for coming on the show today and um, putting aside an hour, hour and a half or so of your time to come on and have a chat. It's been an absolute honour and a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me, Max. Always great to chat and uh, keep kicking butt, mate. You're doing awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Liam. Stay tuned, everyone, for Sport Sporting Max on 1116 SEN.